gentlemen and welcome to another episode of bobcast the end of the 2010s staring at the ouija board live in the lounge started this in 2013 i was at the age of 33 didn't know much about mush right and uh, i just kept at it over 200 episodes in and we're going to recap some stuff. It's been a while. Actually, the last time this tonight's guest has been on was episode 200. And in that interim, he has since become a father. Hence, joining the ranks of the Dadcast Legion. Please welcome back to the lounge, Mr. Kevin Quinn. hey bitches. So congratulations on becoming a dad. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Appreciate you know, that. I mean, it's like a total... Cast. We both became dads in the 2010s, so I guess mm-hmm. we should just say that right off the bat. That probably is the most prominent thing that happened for you and I, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it happened in a way that we never really... You don't foresee it. When you're a kid, you think it's going to happen a certain way, and it doesn't, you know? It's like you, you, you just fall into it. But, I mean, becoming a dad, though, what has it been like for you I'll tell so you, far? no, but, the, uh, you know actively trying to become a father right oh yeah that's good work. it's like a whole mental oh yeah because um, you try so hard for so long to not get a girl pregnant oh, yeah. that right you almost have to reprogram your brain to think like no, no no we're actively trying to make life here whereas for so long it was no no <laughs> let's put some type of we can get explicit i mean okay yeah, yeah. so I, I i mean in hindsight now and i can say this because i've been with the same girl the whole time so it's cool but uh <laughs> there's so many times i wish that i didn't do what i did and you know pull out because i wish out i had was tight so was mine it was yeah. and i well apparently i thought it was foolproof but <laughs> um i just now as an i'm older i wish that I mean, yeah, I had some good experiences in my early 20s, late 20s and stuff like that. But, like, were they as good as today? Mm-hmm. Not really, to be honest with you. And, like, it, it's disheartening to me that uh, some people can uh, not enjoy being dads. They become deadbeat fathers. Like, what? You know what I mean? Yeah, no. It, it's it's. I was just having this conversation the other day with somebody where it's – you can understand this, right? I don't know. You know, people listening would get it if they're not a parent. But once your child comes and you look down at this life that you've given birth mm-hmm. to, well, not, you know what I mean? You just can't really even explain or put into words how you're able to feel so much love for another person. Right away. That you never thought that you'd ever be able to do. Mm-hmm. Even but You've never met this att- person. You can no... be attest to this too as well. Yeah. When your wife was pregnant, mm-hmm. were you scared? Oh yeah, like sure. the, the, the so fear of the unknown, yeah. fear of who is this person, sure, fear of am I gonna love him or her right away, you know? Mm-hmm. But then once it happens, it's just like yeah. uh, I, I find it, you know. Uh, I've said it before on the show here. I'm glad that I watched. Yeah, a lot of the guys apparently don't watch. I did. I was adamant that I was not going to. You know. Uh-huh. Uh, vaginas are fun and it's a happy place to be and uh, to me looking at seeing that open and a child come out i thought it would ruin that for me but it was actually i was in the moment i'm like all right here we go i'm supporting cradling your head holding a leg at one point let's Mm go i'm just yeah, I'm going to look. And I did. It yeah, I, I watched and they were like, you should sit down. I was like, get away from me. <laughs> they were like, sir, lots of people say that and they pass out. Yeah. Also, too, I had a religious nut. The guy who wanted to give birth to my son. Oh, I'll tell okay. you about that, right? <laughs> yeah, At the pool. So, yeah. so this guy, uh, I mean, his agenda of having a natural birth because it's what Jesus wanted. Like, mm-hmm. dude, my wife's in pain. She's mm-hmm. on this shit called Pitocin. Mm-hmm. Nah. Yeah. We're getting we're getting C-sected. Let's go. Like I had to take him the hallway and tell him, like, look, man, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm good. Yeah. And then I mean, I became friends with him on Facebook, and I started seeing his posts afterwards, which what he would write about. And like, I just kept thinking myself, 
damn OBGYON guy that's like obsessed <laughs> with Jesus. Should you be obsessed with Jesus on social media? Because your job is just to be a doc, you know? Yeah. You're not delivering babies into the world because of Jesus Christ, you know right. what I mean? And no disrespect to somebody out there that's religious because you know what? Religion should be kept in the stratosphere of the unknown. Not some guy in Bryn Mawr who's got his hands over my wife's vagina. Mm-hmm. You know it's what like I mean? It's like a hidden, a hidden vagina. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That'd be a great name for uh, OBGYN. Hidden agendas <laughs> with the like a cross. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. I didn't, no, we go, I didn't know we go there that dark five minutes in. <laughs> no, but it's crazy too what you were saying. It, it's kind of weird to think that having this kid and seeing him and that I you know, would just walk away. But there's a lot of people that do that. And to me, it yeah, just doesn't right. make any sense. No I can't sense. even fathom that. Well, we were we were in the hospital, you know, uh, hadn't slept really in close to 72 hours, yeah. maybe 15, 20 minutes at a stretch because um, it was, a, you know, a little bit of complication uh, with the birth. So we didn't have any sleep, uh, either one of us. And then, of course, they make you... You know, before your discharge, you have to watch these videos to consent that you saw them and mm-hmm. you're okay to go out and leave the hospital with yeah. this person that you just, you know. Shaken baby syndrome. Exactly. That's yeah. where I'm going. So we're watching this video about um, people that have shaken their baby. Crazy. And, you know, sleep deprived and mm-hmm. emotional about just becoming a father. I'm watching it and I just found myself weeping of this story about this grandfather who was now raising his grandson because his son shook him when he was a infant and he's got severe brain damage and he didn't die, but he's, he's pretty much incapacitated and the grandfather has to I think take I care of him because video. the father was put in jail. And I'm like, just bawling my eyes. Like, how could someone do that? I look over my wife and she's bawling her eyes. I'm like, why would they do this to new parents that, you know, I can't handle it. It's emotionally overwhelming, you know? Um, And I get the point of it, but it was kind of just, you know, just a flood of of emotions. It's generally terrifying too when you come home for the first night. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying for any parent. I mean, unless it's your second and you're like, here we go, bada bing, bada bing, bada boom. (laughs) But I mean, like I was scared. I was so scared. Mm-hmm. I was scared to sleep. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's going to sleep in the bed with us. I was like, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to crush him. You know, like mm-hmm. so many different feelings. But I mean, like anything, I mean, becoming and becoming a dad is the greatest job that you'll ever have. But it's also a job that I don't think that any of the books would have prepared me. So I'm going to tell you out there, if you're thinking about having a kid and you're scared and your wife's got a whole bunch of books or if your boyfriend's got a bunch of books and you're adopting, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's 2019. Throw them books out, man. Kid comes with a manual right out the gate. You know, like your kid's going to be different than the other kid. Mm-hmm. If you know about kids that are colic, like Jesus, dude, mm-hmm. screaming all day long. Like yeah. I can't imagine, dude. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm very excited. Um, my son's about to be four this month, which is insane. That time mm-hmm. has gone by that fast that now he's articulating conversations with me and drumming with me. Uh, it's just a totally different experience. And it's like, it's better than anything really i don't really think about like other things as much as him like really like i don't really um like my sense like my dopamine like intake now is far much more lower than it was without him and by that i mean like you know i was saying to you before the show i can't stay awake anymore to watch tv i used to love watching tv like scripted reality show or scripted television shows Breaking Bad, The Sopranos. I'd be able to stay awake the whole time. <laughs> now, if the plot goes sideways, 15, 20 minutes in, I could fall asleep. Right. Drop, drop right. it a hat, dude. Just like, it sucks. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's such a vast difference from, like, if we're doing the 2010s, like, from when I was 30. Well, I got engaged when I turned 30. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, I got married in 2013 and then had a kid at the, you know, 2016. So, it's been a great decade. But I mean... Um, it, it, it is crazy how fast time goes now, you know, yeah. when we were younger, it seemed like, oh man, I'm invincible. This is going, this shit's going to last forever. Well, I feel like when we were, you know, 14, 15, we were mm-hmm. like, man, I can't wait till I'm 18. And I had more, we're, yeah, right. you know, the handcuffs are off. I can buy cigarettes. Want. Yeah. Dumb. And, you know, and then when you're in your twenties, you're like, oh man, this is the best. It's going to be even better when I'm 30. You know, I'll be able to have, you know, some more money in the bank or whatever it is. I can actually like, 
you know, do things I want to do. I feel mm-hmm. like when I was in my 20s, I had the all the energy, but not of uh, the financial backing to do the things I wanted to do. To so do what you see want. shows and, mm-hmm. you know, buy the things I wanted or whatever. But I still don't have the money to buy things I really want. <laughs> but I do, I do have the insight, though, to know what I want. And I think that more than anything is... Set, I, I, there's an overwhelming responsibility when you become a, a family that the first couple years, like literally six, eight years of the kid's life, like after you get to first grade and the kid's six or seven, yeah, you did, you did, like that kid's now kind of who mm-hmm. he or she will be later in life. So, I mean, like in the beginning, it's like it was so important to me to uh, be present. You know, mm-hmm. so I quit music. I didn't want to play no more. Like I was in a band briefly and I was like, that's enough. Can't do this. I want to just be at home. And dude, I love it, man. Like I'm leaving after the podcast tonight. We go home. We eat dinner. Uh-huh. We're gonna watch the Adams Family. A oh. new movie came out, and uh, I may be in bed by eight thirty. Yeah, this is cool. I yeah. still get up now at six, five thirty in the morning. I'm crazy, dude. So at the beginning of the decade, dude, I could sleep to like noon. Yeah, I find myself in that <laughs> now. Right now where I'm up early and I'm like. This is so bizarre. I was never an like, yeah. early person, but now my circadian rhythm is uh, yeah. been more in tune with. Yeah, I, I kind of like getting up when it's dark still because it's two nights for me. You know, I got one <laughs> night at nighttime and I got my second <laughs> nighttime in the morning where I drink my coffee and watch the six a.m. news. Yeah. You know, well, this is the perfect time. Three, four. You know, uh, the age I remember. My nephew being your son's age, and it was so much fun being around him. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm looking forward to this summer. Oh, yeah. Hanging out at the pool, seeing mm-hmm. him, and just from the beginning of the summer when we went to the pool, where he was still like, yeah, now jumping in, he like... wasn't out of his shell as much, yeah. Uh, and you know, once we he would see us each week, he got more comfortable with us. Mm, and yeah, he knows who you are, knew now, who yeah. we were, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas the beginning it was like, ah, I don't know who this guy is, I don't know who this woman Liz is. But now he runs to you. like, oh yeah, I know who they are, and he gets excited when he sees us, and then even more so, like. You know, in just six months, nine months, how much he has grown as a oh, person it's too. It's it's crazy. It's I'm looking forward to it. It's insane. The stuff yeah. he says to me, I'm just like, oh my god, dude. <laughs> and then the crazy thing is, at the end of the next decade, I'll be will be fifty, yeah, and he'll be a teenager. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for that one, right? So I guess we should kick things off. Uh, <laughs> Kevin and I are gonna uh, do three categories this evening. We're gonna do the top five events could be current events could be historical events could be you know a slew of different things we didn't talk about this beforehand i have no clue what his results are we're also going to do our top five movies and top five albums um we're going to start things off though with top five events i'll go from number five i'll do number five you do number five and we'll move up that way we'll share each other number five mm-hmm. is that cool yeah all right so unfortunately i'm gonna to have to start things off with the negative type thing um i've talked about this several times before on the show um i think the sandy hook i i I kind of like put all these things together uh sandy hook vegas Mm -hmm. the roar movie theater the shootings continued in the 2010s -hmm. and nothing came from this that seems to be a plausible end it started in 99 columbine and i've said before that i always thought that that was kind of a one-off thing and it, it wouldn't affect the rest of our culture and society but I believe that in 2010s, it just got progressively worse. And the whole debate on gun control, like, it's a, it's a fucking no-brainer to me, right? You know? Mm-hmm. I get it. People have guns. They're fun. I have drums that are fun. I have a bass guitar that's fun. I don't want people to take that shit away from me because that's my fun. So I get it. But music doesn't kill people, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be some sort of ramifications. We can't have these guns going around. And, you know, I've said it actually last week on the show or two weeks ago. Without a doubt, I do believe that within 25, 30 years, school, public schools will be non-existent. Mm-hmm. Like there will, there will be no school as we know it in today's culture or how we grew up or our parents' generation. School will be all on this computer mm-hmm. generated at home. Yeah, You'll still have classmates. Mm-hmm. But they'll probably be in different cities, be different virtual. townships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for, for me as a parent, that works, dude. And it yeah. sucks. But you know yeah. what, dude? We spent 11 minutes talking about being dads, dude. dude. I don't even know what would happen if my son is in a position like this. Or I, I would go berserk. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I have talked about it a lot. And I just I have nothing else to say about it just other than it fucking sucks. And uh, if you're a gun owner and you're listening to this, you know, 
I understand. I get it. It's mm-hmm. your First Amendment right. But, bro, when they wrote that shit, it took a long time to load a bullet. Mm-hmm. A long-ass time to load yeah. that bullet, yeah. okay? They weren't talking about these semi-automatic weapons that you, you know, can blow a whole school away in minutes, mm-hmm. you know? So that shit, I hope, the next time we do the end of the 20, Roaring Twenties, that is something that they conquered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely needs to be some more uh, regulations on, mm-hmm. you know, who who's able to purchase a gun, right? Like, yeah, you, you want to hold on to, yeah, Second Amendment right to bear arms. But again, to your point, it was written so... Did I say First Amendment? Hmm? Did I say no, First no, no, Amendment? No, no, no. You didn't say Amendment. I said Second Amendment. Um, but it was written in, in a time so where there, there weren't even... There wasn't... <laughs> there wasn't phones no <laughs> you know you didn't have uh, there was, i don't even know if there was a that we have today no you you like you loaded a musket or and it took forever to do yeah it was more of yeah we needed a right to bear arms to fight for freedoms yeah well we're not under those sam no we don't under the same stress today but now what's happened though is the enemy king george is somebody we can't see it's mm-hmm. a kid who has been bullied his whole life or mm-hmm. it's weird how it's always a white male too let's just get that right out of the way mm-hmm. white males are fucking pissed off why are they pissed off i don't know maybe because with their incels maybe because the video games kept them inside maybe it's because of the culture how it moved towards everything being in your hand and you're looking down all the time but like even like the guy who shut up vegas mm-hmm. like that was fuck. that was weird as hell mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. i remember okay so like that night or that week per se on YouTube, there was several videos which claimed there was multiple shooters in Vegas mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Now, all these events that are tragic, a lot of conspiracy theories develop out of them. Do I attest to them? No, but do I read them? Yeah, because I do believe it's important to understand what's going on. And when it comes to this shit, it's just like, it just sucks. Mm-hmm. What's your number five? No, yeah, I, I had... Uh mass shootings on there too because it, mm-hmm. it seemed like uh is, you, is that you your know, number five yeah wow it seemed that? it seemed more and more uh you know it kind of goes to the you know where flight crashes mm-hmm. are not really that common mm-hmm. right but they're reported a lot because they aren't as common whereas a, a car accident a car fatality they happen so frequently they're typically not reported as often because they happen yeah. so often mm-hmm Whereas, you know, you kind of wonder how, where does the line get blurred on how much is hyped by the media of all these shootings that do occur. And it's almost like, you know, people feed into, um, this is going to make me famous. Let me do this. And yeah, in, that's in a world weird thing, man. Isn't, that, that, isn't that a yeah, weird thing? Absolutely. Like, this will make me famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it a part of being famous, watching how the world receives you? So it's a weird thing, man, that's, and I, I just, I mean, now that it's happening in like Walmarts and stuff like that, like, but coming um, from a rational mind, yeah, it seems bizarre, but coming from someone who's irrational, it seems completely yeah. reasonable. Yeah. This is going to make me famous. Let me do this. I'll get on TV and they'll write a book about me or I'll have a biopic made about me or whatever it is. You it know, just it sucks. Just, it makes no sense. And yeah. I hope. And I pray that they figure something out. I've always said that, you know, if Jesus or aliens want to come visit us, maybe like people would take their minds off of killing one another. You know what sucks too, man? This is what sucks the most, right? Like, uh, okay, so full disclosure. Okay, so like this shit bothers me because I was involved with education. I have since retired from education. I got to be honest. This is one of the reasons why. When I became a dad, I'm not the type of person to just sit there and keep my class in lockdown. I'm the type of guy to run and fucking tackle that guy in the hallway and kill him before he kills everybody else. Mm-hmm. I've never killed nobody. I don't even know if I physically could kill somebody, but I do know that it, that would be me. And that's not who I was when I started doing my education. It wasn't somebody who wanted to fucking like, like be like, what was that noise outside? You know what I mean? Like that sucks. Case in point though, I can't imagine what it's like to be a parent, but I do know a parent on Facebook who's, um, daughter, um, damn it, I can't remember. Stoner, St- Marjorie High School. What was the name of the school that got shot in Florida? The podcast listeners know what I'm talking about. Stonery, Marjor- Marjorie, something. I forget the name of it, but whatever. I became friends with the parent of somebody that died 
in that school. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to attract negative attention to him on Facebook or whatever. His daughter died in there. And he is on Facebook every day talking about pro-right, this gun, this, that, whatever. And I just can't. It's like, dude, a gun killed your kid. Mm-hmm. But you're still advocating for, for gun use. Which brings me to my number four. Because this guy, who I discovered him and became friends with him, was in the Oval Office. And number four of the 2010s for me is President Trump. <laughs> now, am I saying that number four is a like as part of being a school teacher too? Is like you can never really reveal your uh, political thoughts or how you feel. My political thoughts don't exist no more. Be- why? One, I don't believe anything that's going on. Two, nobody looks like me that runs for president. The closest person that ran for president that looked like me was Barack Obama because he had fucking soul and I could trust what he was saying because he looked at me and I could feel like some sort of like this fucking guy feels real. Uh-huh. I wish that I understood how important those years were, those eight years. Some bad shit happened, but you know, I mean, do, was he a great guy? I don't know. <laughs> Who the hell knows? Bill Clinton? I thought he was the shit growing up in the <laughs> 90s. Apparently, he was getting his dick sucked all the time and flying on egg-shaped Epstein's plane. Egg-shaped dick Epstein's plane, excuse me. And, you know, it's just like, it's corrupt. And when something's corrupt, it needs to be destroyed, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's how I am. Yeah. So you were talking about the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Yeah, that's it. Marjorie Stoneman. Yeah, when I say stonery Marjorie. No, you were close. You were close. Yeah. Fine. But I, that, were, that, that, that just sucked. You. you know, it's yeah. like... And like these poor kids that mm-hmm. like are affected PTSD wise, you well, know, so like it. Trump, Trump doesn't it, it, like the other thing about Trump, too, is like he he says one thing, but he means another, mm-hmm. you know, and like it's such a bad thing for people right now, man. Mm-hmm. The 2010s will always be for, remembered as a time. And as we progress up this list too, like you'll see. <laughs> It's a time where we learn to reflect on ourselves, but it's also a time where we learn to point the finger at somebody and be like, you're done. Mm -hmm. No chance of redemption for you. And I do believe that the Trump administration kind of brought about that hatred and bigotry. It was always here in America, Mm -hmm. but it got worse. Yeah. Yeah. No. So it's crazy, too, that uh, the instead of going back to, you know, trying to tighten up, how do we get... uh, more of um, a better policy in place for who is able to obtain mm-hmm. a gun. It's no, let's just figure out how to um, better safeguard ourselves when these things do occur because they're gonna occur. Mm-hmm. You know, like where <clears throat> now the schools have like shooting drills. Yeah. Right. And they have it's these normal um, uh, ways to lock a door from the inside so no one can, you know, pop in. Um, Instead of, you know, let's try to actually go towards where the issues are. You it's know? terrible. Um, you need to police more on who's able to obtain a gun, you know. Um, but anyway, so I actually had, it's funny, you had uh, Trump. <laughs> I put Obama on my list, too. It's funny. Yeah, right. Uh, so I tried to just go the other way, mm. right. Um, That's a good point. I mean, yeah. I, I started off by praising him and thinking about how great he was for the country. It's, it's just so weird how it's like. We, we can feel this moment of like, uh, okay, yes, we're doing the right thing. We're nominating an African-American because he deserves to be the president of the United States mm-hmm. to this next guy mm-hmm. that's fucking nuts. And like, he didn't even really want to be president, man. Come no. on. He did I, it actually because Obama made a joke about him at uh, the president's whatever, you know, the press night. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, it sucks, man. I miss Obama and I miss the idea of optimism in our country. I'm not optimistic no more when it comes to politics at all, especially with the Democrats, dude. Joe Biden talking about hair on his legs and kids sitting on his lap. Dude, what the hell? You dirty ass old man. Yet he sat next to Obama the whole time, Mm -hmm. which also leads me to believe that politics in general are just some fucking hodgepodge of -hmm. corruption. Oh, absolutely. And it just sucks because there's no, I mean, even if like, you know, you're Kennedy, like Kennedy's like most famous speeches are the ones that are like put on shirts and shit and his best known for being assassinated to be honest with you but mm-hmm. i've been listening to some of his speeches dude and he rogan actually had it on a show where he talked about um rogan or um jfk's dismissal of secret societies and how it can destroy america of like special interest groups and this is basically what happened and like all the shit that happened in the like within the first years of four years of trump's presidency with like you know the race riots and like neo-nazis like dude what 
We went from Obama mm-hmm. to neo-Nazis running the country. Like, it's just... First off, okay, here's the thing, right? And this just sucks so bad because this will go over a lot of people's heads. There is no... There is no race. There is no religion. There is no thing that makes you different, man. There is nothing that makes you different. And you know what? We stick to our guns so much with like traditions and faith balance shit. We never think to say to ourselves, well, maybe it's all connected. My last sensory deprivation tank, I had this, this, this grand vision and I haven't talked about it at all, but I mean, I had this idea in my mind and I wasn't thinking about this at all before I got into the tank, but it was this, it was that God swallowed us all really long time ago. Life takes a long time to digest. And when you die, he either shits you out or spits you out. And then maybe you get a chance to see what he looks like or she. But when you're in there, everybody's in there. It ain't just you and a bunch of other white people in Philadelphia. No, it's the it's the people from all around the world. And I also felt this tremendous responsibility that there was other things in there that I didn't understand. But yet alone, we spend so much goddamn time and energy to be like, well, this is my shit and I'm right. <laughs> Dude, nobody is right. We have no clue, but I can tell you unequivocally that there is no religion. There is no defining practice of race. We are all one. It doesn't make a difference what somebody looks like. And if you spend a whole bunch of time and energy placing hate onto other religious groups or people, then go fuck yourself. Don't listen to the Bobcast. I'm pretty sure none of you do because I know most of you do listen to the Bobcast. But, dude, like, come on. This is how we change things. This is what I will teach my son. Your friend who looks different to you is not different to you when it comes to spiritual beliefs well it's it's just that being able to have relationships with people there's going to be some differences of opinion there's going to be conflicts it doesn't mean that that relationship has mm-hmm. to end because you don't see eye to eye on one particular thing yeah. you know but no, it's, it's terrible you know i think so much of uh where we've evolved is that yeah, you know, we are different we have to stick t- to our sides and you know i don't like you because you have this view on politics or i don't like you because you have this you know view on mm-hmm. music it's just like everybody gets their feelings hurt so easily today it seems like you know so what if someone has a different opinion than you that's okay that that's what they want to believe in who, I can't who ima- gives I can't a shit Im- at the end of the day what does it really mean to the big picture of life is it really going to affect you because no. you don't like what yeah. some someone else likes who gives a shit it's terrible you know and i'm so tired of it and like it is what it is, but um, moving on to something positive. Number three, I, uh, just for uh, the people of this town, I put the Eagles Super Bowl because I saw grown men cry that I've never seen show emotion before on that night. And you know what? That works for people. It's funny how sports, which means absolutely nothing in the scheme of the cosmic universe, can make people so happy. But that was a defining moment in our city. They waited for a long time. And um, I remember feeling very happy to be there with my son watching the parade at home mm-hmm. and that's it really they kind of suck now and they may win tomorrow <laughs> or sunday but i mean like i like things that make people feel happy and when some something like that happens in a city it brings everybody together like those those weeks after the eagles won the super bowl where you would see like all the gas stations with the t-shirts and the knickknacks and shit like that everybody was stopping to buy that stuff and everybody had a chance to talk to one another mm-hmm. and i like when something happens like that yeah. What's your number three? Um, I had uh, <laughs> I went the other way with that one, <laughs> so uh, I put Uber. Right, hey, it's huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. I was an Uber driver briefly. Yeah, it was pretty much. Were you ever the, an Uber driver? No, you would make bank because you got that black SUV. You're on the top pay grade there on, on that top tier driver. You can make almost twenty thirty dollars an hour. Yeah. Let's do it. I Let's leave our wives. <laughs> <laughs> just, just Uber for the next 24 hours. No, it, I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, to me, it came out of nowhere. It was like, uh, you know, uh, this battle between taxis and Uber drivers. And what do you mean? I could just go on my phone and yeah, I can get a ride anywhere from I an, want. Absolutely from any stranger. destination from a stranger. Well, we, yeah, yeah, we went from 
you know, don't get in the cars with strangers with. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, no. They're going to drink they're and drive. They're going to pick me up and they're the going to give me things to eat and drink. Yeah. Too, I never did want that good shit. Stars. They were like, if you want to get a five star <laughs> review, bring some water bottles. I was like, I'm broke, dude. That's <laughs> right. why I'm working for Uber. Right. Um, so it was like we reverted back to, you know, don't get in cars with strangers mm-hmm. and they're going to and don't eat or drink anything from a stranger to. Yeah, so we're going to have them take us and we're going to pay them to do it. Terrible. Um, and also too, like I stopped being an Uber driver because I got tired of driving people who were drunk, and I was shocked mm-hmm. with how many people drink vodka and water bottles. Yeah, it would happen all the time. Yeah, yeah and I'd yeah. be like, "Yo, I this is like I take the baby seat out, but I was driving Teresa's car then, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, "Yo, like my car stinks like vodka, you know? Like what?" And then they wanted to play my their shit on my radio. Nah, dude. yeah, you listen to what I want, and that's it. Right, I'm I'm your chauffeur. Right, what do you got for number two? I'll let you go first. Okay. I put uh, the Me Too movement. That's Harvey what Weinstein. I got. Me yeah. Too movement. Yeah. Number yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, It was nice to, uh, you know, finally get. So that's two that we got yeah. in, in the top five. So yeah. you did the yeah, shootings. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Yeah. It was kind of nice to finally see like, yeah, the curtains been opened and yeah. see the great and powerful. Because you, bo- right? you and I both in the 90s were more a fan of females than males in general mm-hmm. like uh not just the sexual like part of it being like it attracted to the opposite sex but like female empowerment mm-hmm. like i had a crush on Sugar Safi because i thought she was like in the punk rock mm-hmm. and you know she had like buttons and like she was like this artist and like i was just like transfixed by her uh her powers <laughs> and stuff now she's married to some dude that not only <laughs> wait wait so she chose him and that and then I dated another girl and she left me for him too. Yeah. But whatever though. I mean, like I've always enjoyed um and then like with Kurt Cobain. Like Kurt in the nineties, like Kurt was the first person to ever talk about being gay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know what being gay was until I was like eleven years old, man. Mm-hmm. Ninety one when yeah. I started reading about Kurt. Mm-hmm. And I was like, What the like what? Like, yeah. you know, and like understanding that sexuality is also something that doesn't define us at all right like it doesn't make a difference mm-hmm. i mean i also um me too like i, I was going to write into in this section the lgbtq movement mm-hmm. as well because i thought that that was also great to like you know have gay rights and stuff like that and like i've always felt that way and like you know it's just i i feel as if treating people right is more important than anything but i also feel like the me too movement it was so important when it first happened and then it trickled there's like stages of it you know what i'm saying oh like, yeah yeah well the top of the spear was cosby yeah he was the first I, was, you know what i hated that motherfucker just came toppling down i went to temple university he was at my speech i was like fuck this pudding mm-hmm. fool dude mm-hmm. i knew something was up with him oh man. yeah how are you gonna be like yeah be a clean comic and tell like Bullshit. dad jokes well it, it's very um what started me down that idea of like, oh, yeah, this is totally plausible. Because mm-hmm. if you look at, um, uh, I was fucking, I'm getting old. I keep forget people's names. Um, Danny Tanner. What's Danny Tanner's real name? Bob Saget. Bob Saget. Yeah. It was a dirty comic. Dirty but comic. he was on Full House and America's. Uh, He's funny as hell, too. For a very long time. He had to be. That was his mm-hmm. job, right? And then when he was done those things, his like, oh, this is who I really am. And he was mm-hmm. raunchy. And people were like, whoa, kind of thrown off. The opposite effect with Bill Cosby. Oh, this like real Harvey. nice to do kind of guy. I'm like. Uh, Everybody knew Harvey was an ass though. Absolutely. But it, but it was Cosby that you were able to start peeling back the layers of the onion and go, oh, yeah, there's more to this. There's like, more all to All the it. stories that I actually we heard read are true, all of the right? stories. Did you ever of, read that? Of Harvey Weinstein? Of every, no, of, of every, Bill of all Bill's. Um, mm-hmm. No. It sucked, man. And also, no. too, like, my brother was home that summer, and uh, we drove past the courthouse a few times. Yeah. It was just very surreal, yeah. you know? Well, I remember being on vacation and, and reading the article when it broke about Louis C.K., where yeah. he abused his power, where, you know, he was like, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to jerk off but I want you to watch me do it. And he abused his authority with people that worked for him. Mm-hmm. I, di- I did you know? look into that a bit because I'm, mm-hmm. I was a huge, the original, what was it called in HBO? Lucky Louie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that one. Yeah, me too. I was very much yeah. attracted to his mm-hmm. wife. Absolutely. Yeah. P- 
Pam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought she was such a powerful force to be reckoned with. But I did. I read into it a bit. And like some of the stuff that happened to Louis, like he did ask. Mm-hmm. Oh, he absolutely. Asked. Yeah. I mean, look, I you can lo- say no, but then you're like, I don't think Louis. I don't know. I don't know. But I do uh, follow Louis still. Mm-hmm. And Louis posted something recently to his uh, email newsletter saying like, look, uh, I'm going back out on tour and if you don't like me, all you gotta do is click this button. Mm-hmm. And like, he's very apologetic towards it yeah. but like also at the same time, it's like what I was saying at the beginning, we also have now entered into this culture where it's like, that's weird too because like, I, can I forgive Bill Cosby? I don't know. But some people fuck up and then that's like, that's it, you're done mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. And like, mm-hmm. I also thought that the great, I, I think that the greatest story of the human condition is the comeback story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's it's a weird balance, man. Like, and that's something I'm just discovering now. Like, I want some people to come bounce back, but then other people's I don't because I have these feelings about them. Like, giving people Benadryl. I actually took a Benadryl the other night because my allergies were killing me, dude. <laughs> Let's fuck it. You could have done whatever you wanted to me, man. Teresa mm-hmm. <laughs> ran a train on me. She ran. Yeah, man. <laughs> but she should have. I'm happy that things are starting to look better, but I also think as a culture we shouldn't be the one who keeps throwing stones there's the point where you're like look they've had you know i mean like some people they've done terrible shit i actually just read today that alabama has passed a new law to chemically castrate sexual offenders Hmm. yeah which is insane Hmm. i'm just happy that god whoever like you know when they god swallowed me up like god was like oh that's a good piece and that's another thing i thought in the tank too by the way you ever think about how kids get cancer and shit like that Mm-mm. You know, like, you ever think like, you know, people are like, oh, well, how could God exist if he fucking gave this kid, you know, brain tumor or something? It's because when God ate you, that was a bad piece of food. Mm. And it's just not every single thing that you do can't be good. Mm-hmm. There has to be bad. So there is good. It's mm-hmm. the counterbalance of it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe that there is something to, you know, we focus so much on the afterlife of being like, this is heaven and this is where we're going and this is going to be awesome. Think about what you're doing now first before you get there, because I really do believe that, like, it's like this terror system of, like, the more good you do in life, the more, you know, that you have a good chance of getting thrown up through the mouth so you could see God rather than getting shit out so you're just out the bottom. Mm-hmm. Huh. Something I was thinking. <laughs> uh, the number one thing for me that defined uh, the 2010s, um, I was uh, leaving a career at the beginning of the decade from Nordstrom. I went back to retail coffee management, which was insane. I went back to school teaching, I believe, in 2013. Yeah, 2012, 13 school year. I think this is when it happens. I didn't put dates. But uh, it was my first year back, and uh, I was teaching fourth grade at a new school, and we were about to go into a field trip to Washington, D.C., and the morning that we were about to leave was the Boston uh, mm-hmm. Mass, the Mar- Boston Marathon. Marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I never, I, I remember mm-hmm. being like, oh my God, I'm scared. Because mm-hmm. we went to D.C. and there was a bunch of evacuations. Mm-hmm. It was a weird time. We were actually traveling home when these brothers were still on the loose. Mm-hmm. And it was such a counterculture thing for me because it was just like the guy that I was working with will was also a avid runner and he was like telling me all about the boston marathon how much it meant to him mm-hmm. and like it was like this this moment in time where it was just like oh my god how could this happen and then the story of like how like these small towns like came together and they caught these guys and then they didn't kill this guy they didn't kill this i mean the one brother he you know he I believe he did, he did put himself in the line of fire and he died. But then the one guy was found in the boat. I remember yeah, watching that live on TV. I had just driven with uh, a, a van full of 10-year-olds hmm. back home. And all those parents wanted me to get those kids home safe. Mm-hmm. And I felt such a tremendous amount of responsibility to yeah. drive straight, get them home. Mm-hmm. Not only because of the trip in itself, but because of this terrible thing that had happened to the country. And it, it just... It sticks out into my mind, and like I just remember everything about that day. I remember them catching him, and I remember them not killing him, and I remember them trying him, and he's still in the jail. Apparently, it's supermax prison. Hmm. And I don't know. I mean, there's many other things that happened in the 2010s, but hmm. for me, that was such a defining thing because I was scared, and um, I, I didn't. I felt like helpless. And well, it kind of defines it kind of defines mm-hmm. the 2010s as, of being helpless and being completely fatigued with the way society has spit us out and like what has happened to us mm-hmm. as in general. Well, it marked it marked for you a specific 
yeah change in your vocation change in my and, vocation and just so fear it's uh you yeah. know a point in time where you felt that one more deeply like and you think about you know we were talking about the different you know just public mass shootings that occur where we've almost become numb to them numb because to they happen yeah. so frequently now where mm -hmm. you think about these are attacks uh, uh to, to us by us yeah. right whereas you think back to 2001 and september 11th it was attack on our country where it banded us together because it was an outside attack whereas yeah. all these shootings are us we're just attacking ourselves did you, you know? ever watch the show the league no there i don't know much about the show but something just came into my newsfeed which i found fascinating it's a tangent about 9 11 mm. this actor adam renewski or something like that i got i need an assistant but apparently this guy lied <laughs> okay. about 9 11 said he was there and oh. told story after story. He was on Mark Marin's podcast. He was on all sorts of shows. <laughs> and then the New York Times found out that his story was fabricated. Bullshit. And then he went on Stern to apologize. And I watched that yesterday at oh, work. Wow. And I was blown away by yeah. it. I forgive him, though. I mean, I understand it. I've been caught in a lie before. In my early 20s, dude. Even in my teenage years, dude. And I think this is a, a, a is probably because of uh, stuff that happened with parenting. Like, I would lie to get out of shit or lie so I wouldn't get into trouble. Mm -hmm. I would lie to make up stories to have people like me better. Hmm. And when he told his story yesterday, I remembered several occurrences where I would walk myself into a lie and then not know how to get out. Get out of it, yeah. But, you know, mm -hmm. when you get older, you ain't got time for that shit. Your no. body's breaking down. <laughs> I don't care what people think about me no more. Doesn't matter. What's your number one? So, uh, similar to what you were talking about, uh, dovetailing off the, the Weinstein, uh, or not mm -hmm. the Weinstein, the Me Too. So, my number one was marriage equality. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, um, I think it was just yet another step in the right direction yeah. of, you know, uh, we were, what was I watching earlier? Um, it was a preview for, I don't know if it was an actual movie or maybe just like a docu-drama uh, on uh, um, Greta... Kind of Thornburg, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm -hmm. You know, and just how long it took for women to try to have some more equality, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you talk about same-sex marriage uh, having the same weight as regular marriage. Like people want to enter to enter into a union together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, why is it such a? Uh, why is there so much, you know, pushback for that? Like. If people want to be together, they yeah, want dude, to. I had never you know, understood that shit, man. Do that. Like, if, if marriage is something you subscribe to, you should be able to do it with whomever you want to. You should be able to marry a carpet floor here if you want. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I, I just never understood why people care. Like, to actually to to uh, shame somebody because of their sexual orientation mm -hmm. is also, you know, a waste of time. Correct. You know? Mm -hmm. And that is great that that happened. Um, mm -hmm. I wish Huge. we had top, top tens. Um, Moving into our next category, I'm looking at the time. So what we'll do uh, for the remaining two is this: we'll we'll um, we'll go e we'll each take turns, and um, we'll list from five, four, three, two, one. Then the other person will, and then we can comment on the albums okay. that we we want to talk about. So I'm going to let you go first. These are the top five albums of the 2010s, as heard by Kevin Quinn. Yeah, this, this is had just... to be hard for you. It was hard for me. J yeah, uh, just my opinions. Right. Uh, yeah, and this is my opinion as well. This is not yeah. what it sounds. Even the current events that was like what happened in my life, and mm -hmm. this is in your life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm gonna go with um, Twenty One Pilots Trench as five. my five. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Lady Gaga, Born This Way as four. I didn't realize that came out. That came out in the 2010s. Yeah, I went yeah. to see that tour. You know, did you? Yeah, at the at Boardwalk Hall. Okay, yeah, that's a great venue. It was I mean, amazing. I've seen a lot dude. of different acts there. It's really good. Um, where that's was number I four. I had uh, Jay Z and Kanye West watch the throne. Um, I had Twenty One Pilots, Blurry Face, two, and then Adele Twenty One uh. as my one. Yeah. Um. I'll give you mine now, and then we'll, we'll do some commentary. Mm -hmm. uh, top five albums, as reviewed by Robert the Bob Cascale. Uh, number five, just because of its commercial viability, and there wasn't a single commercial you couldn't hear their songs on, 
Brothers by the Black Keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next album, um, critically lauded. Everybody hated it. Everybody was like, why do they sound so different? Loved it, man. Must have listened to this album over and over again. Went to see them in concert. They performed in the round, and they performed like they were in the middle of a boxing ring. That is the album Everything Now by Arcade Fire. Hmm. Love that band. Love what they do. Some crazy shit. Number three. Just because I fell in love with her, and that's all I got to say, is St. Vincent, the album by St. Vincent. Her guitar playing is phenomenal. Um, she looks like she's like 20 feet tall on stage and I read she's like 5'8 and like I just love her and I can't wait to see what she does um, in her um, career number two um, and this is recent but I I feel as if this album should be listed it's not really a personal preference because I haven't actually listened to the whole album all the way through quite yet but um, I do believe that she's somebody who's going to change the tide as to what young females think a pop star should be. And that is the album When We All Fall Asleep by Billie Eilish. And then number one, okay, so at the beginning of the decade, didn't know who these guys were. Didn't know shit about them. Matter of fact, up until I was 39 years old, I knew a bit, but not much. And then a the guy sitting across from me said to me one day, he was like, hey, Bobby, do you and your wife want to come see the 21 Pilots with me? And I was like, <laughs> I guess. So I was like, I better go buy this album. And I bought Trench. But my number one album of the 2010s isn't Trench. Uh-huh. It's Blurry, Blurry Face. Face yeah. Because I believe the song Stressed Out is also the number one song of the 2010s because it mm-hmm. really just speaks yeah. to who we are at this yep. point in time. Yeah. We're so stressed out. Mm-hmm. We have all this shit in front of us that, that can keep us busy, mm-hmm. and yet it's not enough. Mm-hmm. And I feel as if these guys, these two guys from like you know the middle of the country, they they just captured my attention. And you know what they captured my attention was the night of the show. The first time I saw Trench, I was gonna do Trench, mm-hmm. but like as I got back into you know their catalog, I realized that I believe this album came out in 2016. It's just how important it was because it saves people's lives. This band. I love that. I don't know of any other shit in music that actually has a group of people online who say, you know, a two word, like, you know, phrase that means they need help and they're there for them. And they're so um, caring. And like, when you go to those concerts, man, like, it's like an overwhelm. We went to see 21 Pilots three times Mm -hmm. since the album Trench came out, you know, and I've never been to see a band three times. (laughs) I mean, I've seen Beck, but not, you know, in a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, the best part about that was is that uh, at my age, I never thought I would become obsessed with another band, like uh, wanting to learn about more of them, mm-hmm. uh, learning their songs on drums, you know, like and just stuff like that. But even if you listen to Blurry Face, I mean, the sounds of the album are very indicative of both the beginning of the decade and then towards the end of the decade as well. There's a little bit of rave type shit in the beginning, you know what I mean? Like uh, some of the songs have like this rave type synth beat. Mm-hmm. But to me, I mean, Blurry Face, I mean, that's that just hooks me just because they kind of changed my life in a way. So I thank you for uh, mm-hmm. taking us to that concert. Absolutely. All right, I'll do my uh, top five movies. Okay. This is going to shock some people, okay? <laughs> but uh, number five, I'm going to start off with Joker. Um, Joker made it into the list. Uh, it, once again, all five of these movies are about the list. I mean... I could watch him in any order or whatever. Mm-hmm. Joker I love so much because it was the first movie that everybody was everybody was so scared. Oh my God, this movie's going to come out. People are going to lose their minds. They're going to start acting violent. No, what it did was it put a like a, a magnifying glass on mental health and let people understand that, you know, mental illness is a real thing and it's a cautionary tale. And I like that. And mm. I'm a huge Batman fan and I'll never forget being in... You haven't seen it yet, right? No, I haven't. Okay, yet. so I never forget being in the movie theater for that scene. And people who are listening who have seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. That scene shocked me, and I love being shocked, man. It, <laughs> it, felt, it made me feel like watching Clockwork Orange for the first time as a teenager. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So good job, Todd Phillips. You really killed it. Number four, Django Unchained mm-hmm. by Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. I must have watched this movie over and over and over and over again. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to excuse Mr. Stone Cypher's slack jaw gaze. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio uh, is phenomenal in this film. I do believe it's Quentin's best film. I, mm-hmm. I didn't list Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I do believe it is a good film, but it's mm-hmm. nowhere near the technical prowessness of Django Unchained. 
uh, Unchained. I, I love that movie. I, I, I love um, the dialogue. It's just everything about it. I mean, the characters, you really feel for Dr. Schultz when he dies in the end, you know, like... I just couldn't help myself, yeah. you know, like, you're like, yeah, I fucking know. Um, number three is the first film that my son and I fell in love with together. So it would always have a special um, place in my heart, and that's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm. So I love Spider-Man, and I love animation. If you've seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The animation is insane, so much so that Sony... Have you seen it? No. It's great. When Liam gets older, I highly recommend okay. it. Um, they, the The... It looks like Roy Lichtenstein type art, and Sony actually trademarked um, the design. So I always have a special place in my heart for that because my son and I bonded, you know, over a love of superheroes. Number two, and this started the decade. Um, I love this guy's films. I mean, Fight Club is my, one of my all-time favorites. I love Seven. Seven is probably my favorite movie of all mm. time, just because it's just so perfect the script and that's the social network um mm. is uh number two <laughs> why because it really just shows the beginning of what was going to happen for the next 10 mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. and this massive progress of living your life online won't reveal names but i watched somebody break up online this morning i actually watched somebody screenshot evidence against their significant other and that shit wouldn't have happened 20 years ago right but because of facebook and this dude in this room, you know, and like to actually see the story of how he got drunk and then mm -hmm. just start comparing chicks together. Yeah. Like what, yeah, yeah. dude? Right. That And that one moment of drinking these beers with your, you know, crazy college buddies, you mm -hmm. completely revolutionized the way we communicate. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that movie was um, very important. And I also <clears throat> think that it was great because it was the beginning of Trent doing scores on films, yeah. which I love. He just did Watchmen as well, yeah, which yeah. was the mm -hmm. shit, dude. Damn, we didn't do him and, uh, him and TV shows. Ross, yeah. If we did TV shows, I don't know. I guess Watchmen would be in there a bit, but. Absolutely. Um, and then my number one film um, is is a, a film that really shows um, the degradation of society and how money and greed can really drive people into the ground. And the film doesn't even take place in the 2010s. It takes place in the 1980s. And that is Martin Scorsese's wonderful film, The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, motherfucker. Is it yours? <laughs> no. Uh, but it was tough to yeah, it's do tough. this list. It's tough. Ahead, I watched yeah. The Wolf of Wall Street over and over and over yeah. again. And the movie's like three hours long, man. Mm -hmm. I loved the pacing. I was very disappointed in The Irishman. Have you seen it? Mm -mm. I, I don't have three and a half hours now. Neither did I. <laughs> so I watched it in um, ser series format. Okay. Falling asleep. Okay. Yeah. Falling, it just doesn't have the, the dramatic pacing of what... Um, uh, what uh the wolf of wall street has the wolf of wall street mm -hmm. is just so good mm -hmm. and uh i was shocked that leo didn't win for that he actually won yeah. for the revenant for revenant he, yeah he doesn't really speak much and Wasn't you know he's cold 2016 he won that right no it's just it, like i believe 2000 so no, revenant, he won revenant in 2016 he finally won an oscar after having been nominated for a bunch of times i don't know exactly how many Sorry, my brother texted me. Mm. But yeah. Um, Does he know that he's listening to this live as we're recording it now? <laughs> I will uh, leave you leftovers. Mm. But yeah, The Wolf of Wall Street, I don't know what it was. I remember I went to see it with my mom, my dad, and my brother. And I remember like 20 minutes in, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio is blowing cocaine up somebody's asshole. And I look at my mom and I'm like, man, I never thought for a million years we'd be sitting in this right. movie theater. You know, <clears throat> just crazy. But yeah, that's my top five. And um, these are the one. There's a bunch that couldn't fit in there, man. Like, God, I know. It was tough. There's this movie called Edge of Darkness with Tom Cruise. Have you ever seen it? It's like Groundhog Day in space. Oh. Um, Highly yeah, rewatchable. It's Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It's not Edge of Darkness. No, that's Star Wars. Edge yeah, of it's different. Edge of Tomorrow. There is an Edge of Darkness. I think that's with Mel Gibson. But there is an Edge yes. of Tomorrow. Edge of, and apparently they're making a sequel to it. And it's Are funny that? as hell, that movie. It's okay. great. Yeah. So what's your tough one? Well, so my noteworthy ones. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so funny how we're uh, you and I are very on pace with a lot of things. Uh, so my notables that didn't make the list, but I had to mention them because they were so good, but didn't make the top five were Gone Girl. I had that. Uh, I, you know, for number right? two, I almost wrote Gone right? Girl. It's such. Uh, I mean, I, so you know, I'm I'm a fan of a good um, from book 
adaptation to screenplay to making a movie uh, if it's done properly. There's so many, uh, you know, Stephen Kings that were just butchered. But from uh, Gillian Flynn, I believe her name is, uh, mm-hmm. everything that has been hers that's been adapted to movies has been, you know, You've phenomenal. Seen Sharp Widow- Objects, Ooh. Gone Girl. Well, Sharp Objects was yeah, awesome. Yeah, just pretty much everything she's done has been phenomenal. What's that new one she did with the girls that are like, uh, I haven't seen it with um, Liam Nielsen or something? I don't know. Widows? I don't know. Anyway, that's yeah. Gone Girl is a fantastic yeah. movie. Right. Can't watch that with your kid in the room, though. <laughs> no. So that's a noteworthy one. Also, on my list was Wolf of Wall Street as well, which mm-hmm. we've already talked about. And then, funny enough, Edge of Tomorrow, which was the <laughs> Tom Cruise, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, done in the loop. Um, so my number five was a movie called Looper. Oh, yeah. Uh, with uh, <clears throat> Ryan Johnson directed that, right? Yeah. It was a uh, sci-fi very similar feel to um, Edge of Tomorrow, where you got space-time continuums. Um, you got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis. I've never um, seen it. I heard it's really good. Oh my god, it's phenomenal! So you have this. It's future, mm-hmm. um, and it's run by. You know, you have all these different guys that uh, they're hitmen essentially, mm-hmm. and their job is to kill people. And then eventually comes a day, and they're sending people back from the future to the past to get killed. And then eventually, once they're no longer needed, they're sent back as an uh-huh. old man, and their job is to kill that person. And they have thirty years at that point. So then you go live your life, so you know exactly when you're gonna die. Yeah. Uh, what was really interesting too was I. Joseph Gordon-Levitt went to Bruce Willis and said, I really want to, you know, because I'm playing a younger version of you. I really want to be able to capture your your cadence. Yeah. So he actually had Bruce Willis uh, record all the audio of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's lines. Oh, That's wow. how he would say them. So then he studied how Bruce would, you know how verbally he would say all those lines and he just played it back and to himself. I've seen the here. trailer. His face. Fantastic. Great movie. His facial yes. mannerisms too. Uh-huh. Exactly. So yeah, I'll check that out. that's my number five. Uh, number four was Bridesmaids. Oh yeah. I had that too. It's had... such a, you know, it's just such a feel good. Uh, I what love year is that? That's early. It's 2011. 20... Yeah, that was a good movie and it was so good because it was like, like nothing before. Mm-hmm. Well, you had The Hangover, which is you know Dude. such an original. Going mm-hmm. back to Todd Phillips, also did mm-hmm. uh, The Hangover, was such a uh, an original idea of like you know we're gonna just try to repiece together this night Crazy of debauchery, yeah. and then the flip side of it is uh, bridesmaids are gonna go plan this bachelorette party mm-hmm. for a friend that's getting married, and it's just to see the raunchiness from a female perspective. Shit in the bathroom <laughs> scene, man. Jesus God, well, she's shit in the street, my. <laughs> My like she's on the plane and she's all doped up. Uh-huh. And she's like, <laughs> who's ready to party? <laughs> no. So that was my four. Um, my number three was The Social Network, hmm. <clears throat> which you've already talked about. Uh, my number two was a Leo pick, was Inception. Uh-huh. Again, such a phenomenal concept. I, I I went down the list. It was really hard to kind of piece these together. But Does that I, hold up? I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. So my I, my thought behind it was I'm always a sucker for, you know, I want to be surprised too. I want to go into a movie with it being an original idea. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much that has Christopher been, does that though. Yeah. yeah. There's been so much where it's like, you know, we're going to remake this movie again or we're going to do a sequel to this franchise and we can't come up with anything brand new. So my out of the last 10 years was, you know, uh, again, like Wolf of Wall Street was based on a, a, a true story, but it was an mm-hmm. adaptation of, of true events. Yeah. You know, um, uh, so I'm a fan of, let's come up with a brand new idea. So that's where Inception was. Did whereas, he do Interstellar right after that? I think so. Two movies with I? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I remember the trailer for Inception and that noise. Uh-huh. That noise was the beginning of the... <laughs> That like you know that trailer noise. Mm-hmm. I, I just I'm a hooked. I'm a huge. Have you seen the trailer for Tenet? No. Oh yes, it looks great. amazing. Great. I'm a huge fan of of not knowing writer directors also that uh, are going to work with the same actors too in a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. And Chris Nolan was one of those guys that you know he had a lot of the same 
uh, people work on multiple films that he has done uh, or different projects that he's mm-hmm. done. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. I like seeing the same actors in different roles, uh, especially if they're you know if they're if they're good at their craft. Yeah. Um, so then my number one was Get Out. Hmm. I was on my list too as well, but yeah. I, you know, what was so good about Get Out too is like it didn't it didn't follow anything that you'd seen before. No, and it also contains the most scariest fucking thing to be in the world. As I have this fear of like being run up on uh-huh. when he goes outside to smoke a cigarette yeah. and the ground screw guys yeah. running through. I was yeah. scared, dude. Yeah. I was scared of me. Yeah. I wanted to see that by myself because my wife don't like horror movies. Yeah. I was scared. Yeah. I was real scared. <laughs> was yeah. Because like, it was totally like out of left field. I'm like, this is. You know what's funny is I was just talking about this film the other day to my wife. She was asking me about what it feels like to be in a sensory deprivation tank when uh, the psychiatrist lady says, um, sink, I believe. Yeah. You're going to a deep. Place, that's how you, that's how you feel. Place. If you can get into a real a sunken place, it doesn't feel like you're sunk in the sensory deprivation tank, but it feels like you can go deeper into to your mind, like mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. But yeah, that movie is great. And then, have you seen us? Yeah, I've, yeah, absolutely. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I can't wait to see what the next film is that he's yeah. doing. But um, yeah, it was it was such a uh, you know a twist too because you know him from Key and Peele and this comedic background yeah. to then see him do something serious like mm-hmm. same thing with like Joker where you got Todd Phillips does all these you know road trip yeah. old school um, yeah. the Hangover and then he comes out with the what about Joker, Due Date? You, know, like, you ever see Due Date? Yeah, Due Date. I yeah, love Due phenomenal. Date, man. Yeah, Robert Due Date is such awesome. a he's so good in that movie and it's such a it's just great the scene where um, Zach Galifianakis is like really being an actor in the bathroom <laughs> well he's trying to do about his uh, dad the Brando yeah, so yeah it was like, great I yeah. loved it man he's like I love that perm you have he's like what he's like you're permanent he's like this is my hair bro so we did have... Todd Phillips do a cameo in Joker no okay not like the other films yeah. with the wigs and stuff he's a ca- well he does a cameo pretty much in all his films he's, so. he, you gotta see Joker it comes out soon I'll get you a copy um so we had uh, two uh, connections in top events. Top yeah. events. Yeah. We had the social network and movies, and yeah. then we had two. Did we have music, two in yeah. top five albums? Well, we had. Oh, one. we had one. We had one. Blurry face. Blurry face. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look back at the 2010s, yeah, there's a bunch of different shit that went down. TV, TV changed too as well. It was one of the reasons I didn't add TV is because you don't really. Well, I mean, like. You don't experience it the same way anymore, you know? Like with the streaming and no. stuff, like binging. Like when you binge something, the, movie, the, the the series is happening in the moment and you're there. But when you take weeks off at a time and try to get back into a show, it's it's weird. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, I'm I kind of upset that I didn't do that, but, you know, it is what it is. But, I mean, like the greatest lesson to be learned about looking back at a um, – after you um, look back at a decade – you wanted to you want you wanted to remember it by something, right? And like I'm just so happy that we got to become dads. That's mm-hmm. all that matters. All this pop culture shit. Uh, yeah, maybe like, you know, when I'm a 75-year-old man, I'm like, you want to come over and watch The Wolf of Wall Street, but you know, <laughs> the greatest thing would be able to look at our sons and then see their families and be like, "Well, I did something back then in that decade, mm-hmm. which was good." You know? Mm-hmm. 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 You know, that scene was mostly improv. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I love Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey's he's got a new too. movie coming out. It's by Guy Ritchie. Oh, really? I can't remember the title. I saw it on TV the other night. I was like, wow, this is exciting. <laughs> but um, what are you guys doing for New Year's Eve? Just staying home? Low key, bro. That's what I do. We man. don't even... It's been a long time since I've... I, I haven't gone out. I don't even, party anyway, so I don't... I haven't gone out in New Year's man, Eve. It's, the, it's the worst. Time. Okay. it's it's. I had to drink on uh, New Year's or Christmas Eve, and it was the first time I had a drink since November the 15th. Because I guess a, more than a month. It's, it, as I get older, dude, and as your parent, it, shit ain't worth it, dude. Mm-hmm. It ain't worth it. You know? And like New Year's Eve, I don't want to be out endangering anybody. Like, you know, like having people drive into me. Like, yeah. it's not happening, dude. Yeah. I like staying home and... Um, you guys staying in? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. I, lo- I remember... I never forget the one year she was pregnant Mar- Mariah Carey fucked up on TV. Yes. Remember that? I was like, this is the best. <laughs> I'm staying home forever. <laughs> People have been asking us, you want to come out? You want to come hang out? Nah, I'm good. I, I got be, everything I, I need at home. sleep before the ball. Yeah, man. Charms. I'm thinking of bed early, man. Went to bed around 8.45 last night. Uh, <sighs> and then I woke up around 4.30 and I was like, I should get up. <laughs> I should just get up. And then I got up showered had coffee and then i was ready to go to work at like 5 30 a.m and mm-hmm. the work doesn't open up for a while 
but yeah, it happens. I did start to actually make a list of shows, and it was really hard to come up with. And the only thing that I could come up with was Stranger Things. That was a really that's a As big a moment. decade. When's Breaking nice Bad? Show. When Breaking Bad start? Two thousand. Uh, that started eight, right? Yeah, it was before the decade. It's weird, right? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna actually uh, watch you this weekend. You watched you? No, I saw. I keep getting a notification. Oh, you never the seen you? Season has come out. Oh, dude, watch yeah. season one. You, you're gonna love it. <laughs> okay. You'll binge it all weekend. You'll all have right. such a great time. Joe's a great character. <laughs> Crystal Lee is in in season two. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Um, ah, it's orange. I know, right? <laughs> well, I'm really happy we got a chance to do this before yeah, the end of the year. Um, I'm honored you asked me to to be the the decade ending. Review. Yeah, it's. And then I'm going to keep doing this show. You know, I mean, like, uh, there's something, too, is, like, I guess I kind of got out of the music scene and I just started doing this podcast. Um, interviewing different people, you know, week after week has been very rewarding and very therapeutic. And it's also taught me a lot about myself as far as um, what, like, when I first started it, my ego was inflamed when I was 33, the Bobcast. I mean, narcissistically titled the Bobcast, right? I mean, come on. And then... As time went on and I got older, I realized I, my ego is the last thing that I care about anymore. And I really want to detach myself from that as I get older so that way I can help other people feel better about themselves. So if you're somebody who's listening to the show who has found happiness because of the hour-long format here, thank you for listening. I thank you for your patronage. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I mean, you're, it's a small audience that hopefully one day will grow into a massive one. But if it doesn't, so what? My son, Tyler, will be able to listen to this 20 years into the future and be like, Dad and Uncle Kevin were crazy as all hell. <laughs> With that being said, I love you, bro. Happy New Year. Brother. Thank you. My name is Bob, and this has been another episode of Bobcast. Bob.